I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see your beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me for this episode, basically every episode, are my colleagues, co-hosts, and friends, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo, uh, and together the three of us. First of all, we'll wish you a happy new year, as this will be our last get-together before uh, we get into 2024. Um, and to celebrate, we're going to break down uh, the two Premier League matches on Thursday, as well as all 10 matches uh, coming our way over the weekend. Touch on some La Liga, Serie A, give, away, uh, or give out our three-leg money line underdog parlay and our favorite bets in the Premier League for this upcoming weekend. Uh, but before we do all of that, a reminder that Wonder Goal is proudly presented by Bet365, and Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. It believes every sport should be epic, every tournament, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, see for yourself when you sign up today with the code ACTION, and you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. You must be 21 or older, and you have to be present in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, please call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa terms uh, and conditions apply okay we'll start with thursday we'll start with tottenham and brighton uh and should be a pretty fun one here uh spurs are a plus 150 road favorite very nominal road favorite uh brighton plus 162 uh, and the draw here is plus 275 anthony uh, spurs come out with the win over everton the other day but it was kind of more of the same, right? They just are clinical and they win the big moments. Uh, otherwise they were, I mean, I don't know how they, how did they win that game? And I think we've left uh, a bunch of Spurs matches asking ourselves that exact question. So I think there's some value on Brighton here at home. Yeah, I agree entirely. You know, this line has moved towards Spurs over the last three or four days. Um, but I think Brighton have some clear advantages here. First of all, they have two extra days of rest. They played Thursday, whereas Tottenham played Saturday. Uh, they're at home. And if you just go by 
the raw data. Like these two teams haven't been that different this year. Brighton have conceded in every match. That has certainly hurt them. Uh, and they've dropped points as a result of not being able to keep enough clean sheets or any clean sheets for that matter. But it pretty much the only clear advantage for me is Tottenham in goal. Because over the course of the season, uh, Vicario has a the best underlying numbers by post-shot expected goals in the entire league. And the combination of Steele and Verbruggen for Brighton have been a minus 5.3, which is second worst only to Forrest in terms of shot stopping. Uh-huh. Not great that the two teams I love to bet on have the worst goalies. But Brighton have actually conceded fewer expected goals this year than Spurs. And if you asked any casual fan who's got the better defense, you would obviously they would probably tell you Tottenham. But really, it hasn't been the case. Even in 11-on-11, you know, you can take out like the outlier game that Spurs had against Chelsea. Expected goals per 90 minutes allowed in 11-on-11, not including penalties. Brighton, 1.31. Tottenham, 1.35. So they're pretty comparable. And really the whole profile, I think this matchup, you know, Tottenham will press. They will commit numbers forward regardless of the score. That's why they've been so bad at holding leads this year. You know, Ange Ball is going to Ange Ball regardless of the scoreline. And so that kind of invites pressure onto Brighton, which Brighton has wanted. Brighton wants to bait the trap. They want you to press them so they can try to get their transition moments uh, where I think their attack is just as good as Spurs on the break. The biggest concern here for Tottenham, like the spine of the team, is Emerson Royale, Ben Davis, and Oliver Skip. Because of injuries, Romero is out, Van de Ven still out, of course, Basuma suspended. The spine triangle of the team, the two defensive center backs and the defensive midfielder, are just not Premier League top half quality players at those positions. And I really think it's hard for them to overcome that defensively. Not even just like tactically, but personnel wise. And you saw it. I mean, there were tons of space for Everton to break into. Uh, Everton, of course, are more direct. But I think Brighton are just as capable of playing through pressure. No Matoma for, for Brighton here. That hurts. But Ferguson will be back. So... Really, I, I like the goals at home. I'm surprised by this line. I, I think Everton or make Brighton a favorite, uh, about a, a quarter goal favorite. Have these two teams roughly even on a neutral. So I like the Seagulls. And if Vicario continues to stand on his head, maybe Tottenham can squeeze by here. But we've seen uh, other fraudulent defenses get exposed this week. And I think Tottenham's one that's going to go down on Wednesday. Yeah, I think that's well put. Uh, BJ. Anything for you on Spurs and goals? Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll just add on to Anthony. What Anthony said is that for Tottenham to be successful in this match, they are going to have to hit home with their high press because, you know, Arsenal obviously was able to do that against Brighton when they were at home. Tottenham has, you know, the, the best pass per defensive action in the Premier League. But the problem is, is when Brighton beats that first line of the pressure, like Anthony said, the spine is not there from the normal mode you'd have normal center backs and, and central midfielders. We've seen the center back pairing of either Ben Davies, Eric Dyer, Emerson Royale, whatever combination you want to put there. Basically, no, the fact that Romero and Van de Ven are not there, we've seen three matches of that. And Tottenham conceded 6.4 expected goals and five big scoring chances. Like it was a very bad performance. And what's been interesting, I thought, with Brighton is that teams like Brentford and Crystal Palace are actually coming up and trying to press them. You know, if you watch the Crystal Palace match, their only goal came off of a high turnover. And obviously that's what Tottenham's going to do here. But overall for the season, Brighton has been the second best build-up completion percentage. So they're still a very good build-up team. And I think the loss in Matoma is a little overblown. He's obviously great in terms of ball carrying, but his 
goal production numbers and assist numbers haven't really been that good this season. He's only been a 0.35 XG plus XA per 90 minutes. Bryden can very easily just swing Adingra out to the left side. They can play Jao Pedro on the right and Ferguson up top, and it could be a very formidable attack. So uh, I would agree with Anthony. I think this line's a little crazy. I have Brighton projected at plus 117. Um, it's... You're going to want to fade Tottenham without their two center backs because of how exposed they leave themselves with their high pressing and their build-up structure. So a good spot here for Brighton, a good get-right spot for Brighton. Yeah, and Postacoglu has said that you know he's given Hoiberg and uh, Dyer, you know, basically like the you can go seek out a transfer now mm-hmm. talk. So I don't imagine either of them feature in this match, given that. But you don't know for sure. But yeah, he prefers Royale. You know, I mean, if I told you at the beginning of this season, Emerson Royale was going to start at center back for Spurs multiple matches, you would have been like, that's not great. Uh, now they are going to buy somebody in January. So, you know, we'll reassess mm-hmm. when we get there. But uh, Romero is going to be out a couple months here. So they're going to have a, some struggling times here up ahead uh, on the fixture list. And I think that starts Wednesday. So we'll see. Go goals. Okay. Arsenal and uh, West Ham up next. The Gunners, a, a chunky minus three, three, four favorite on the three-way line. West Ham dominated traveling. by Liverpool, according to some people. <laughs> yeah, 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 dominated. Right. DeWarren wasn't even oh, in the man. match. We've got we've got Should've more to like talk about nothing. that match coming up. Uh, <laughs> we gonna have to we gonna have to recap that. I think. I think oh my god! I feel like we should recap it a little bit. I mean, what, what are you talking about? They got dominated. They didn't get dominated. <laughs> I, I had a feeling this was coming, so uh, I tweeted that I was going to take a victory lap on the pod. Yeah, there's no, it wasn't yeah, there's necessarily. There's, there's, that Liverpool completely dominated the match. It was just that uh, Arsenal were not able to keep control of it whatsoever. Uh, and they really, I thought, struggled. And, and really, like the center backs played really well, and that snuffed out the attack. And, and we're going to talk about Arsenal's defense in a minute because uh, I'm still very bullish on it. But Arsenal, defense in the world. Arsenal, had, Arsenal had no real chances after the opening 15 minutes. And thus, like that, that's kind of my and point. Like, they couldn't keep control. They one? couldn't keep control. Uh, and, and they struggled to do so. And, and as a result, you know, Liverpool kind of got the game style they wanted. Liverpool were able to turn it into chaotic and, and get on the break a lot. Uh, they didn't create much off of it except for the time they completely bypassed the midfield and then Salah, uh, you know, did Zinchenko. So, you know, from a perspective of like the title race, I don't think it changes anything, to be honest. I think it helped Manchester City a lot, who should very clearly still be the favorite. But, uh, hmm. you know, Arsenal's attack not doing anything against Liverpool uh, after the 15th minute, it, you know, just doesn't scream to me like a team that's taken a step forward in attack, and I, I still think they're worse. And thus, I'm going to bet the under in this game on Wednesday. I already did, and uh, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, this one uh, has no betting interest for me uh, at all. No. I think, you know, exact score 1-0 Arsenal, maybe? Like, this is... Yeah. Is, this looks like a sleepy, sleepy. Uh... I mean, West Ham has been playing the dregs lately. They haven't really been playing really stiff competition. You know, the best couple teams that they've played, you know, as of recently, they got pounded by Liverpool in the EFL Cup. They played, obviously, against uh, Tottenham and 1-2-1 on two just hilarious errors from Tottenham. But outside of that, they've been kind of just playing bottom-tier teams for a long yeah. time now, and we haven't really seen them go up against, like, obviously outside of the Liverpool EFL Cup match against the top top tier. Um, and I'll get to this when we talk about Brighton and West Ham later in the, in the, in the podcast because I don't really have any betting interest here. But, uh, yeah, you know, West Ham's defense has been pretty bad against the top, top-tier teams, and they've been playing a lot of teams in the bottom half of the table and overperforming against them. So uh, this might be a nice game for an Arsenal alts, maybe minus 2.5 for Arsenal team total. 
over two and a half, something like that, um, to really just hone in on the West Ham defense, uh, who is a little overdue to concede quite a few. Yeah. The Hammers you know, continue to, uh, what is it, five? They, their goal differential the last three matches is even. Five four, five against. They allowed five goals to Fulham and then won three nil and, and two nil uh against Wolves and, and United. I I feel like that's a a pretty fair uh kind of statement on what this West Ham team is. It's just they're when they're when it goes wrong, BJ, and this I guess kinda lends it to your point, it's gonna go wrong very splendidly. Um and you and it could go wrong against anybody. Um but yeah, I, like I said, I got nothing here, Anthony. Yeah, so like West Ham, if you think about their attack, uh, it's extremely efficient on set pieces. So if they get a lot of those, they're dangerous. But how many are they really getting here against Arsenal, a team who's, you know, damn near pitched a shutout against Brighton at home in their last match uh, and have, you know, most of their back line fully healthy here. And, and like I'd prefer if Tomiyasu played over Zinchenko for defensive purposes, but given how much possession they're going to have, it's probably going to be Zinchenko. I don't love... That's the only thing that scares me about this under is Zinchenko against Kudus because otherwise I think West Ham's attack is pretty much drawing dead. I don't think they have much of a path here. They have no like quality midfield uh, you know, passing to play through the, the press that Arsenal's going to have. It's going to be a lot of balls over the top. It's going to be a lot of like if they can get Pakita in dangerous areas, then they're going to be really dangerous. But like, can they even get to that point? I don't really know. I'm kind of skeptical of that. I have West Ham like pretty low on my like how many goals projection. Uh, and like I said, you know, we've talked about this Arsenal attack. We're dealing with two attacks here that it, we're at the halfway point of the season. Both of these attacks are out of the top eight in non-penalty expected goals for in the season. And Arsenal have ticked up a little bit since Jesus came back. But, you know, then they go and put in a performance against Liverpool where they, they, they fail to really create anything after the first 20 minutes. So... I just don't really see Arsenal running up the score here. I think this is a grinded out 1-0, 2-0 kind of win for the Gunners. I uh, show a little bit of value on Arsenal, but I'm going to pass on that and instead take under three. I really think Arsenal would have to score three for this to go over. Maybe four. I, I you know, Arsenal shut out win maybe, um, but I'm going to take the Gunners at home to continue to be elite defensively where they have conceded basically next to nothing all year long. Uh, since October 1st, uh, 9.6 expected goals against by understat, and that's four goals better uh, than the next best defense in the Premier League. Okay, uh, Luton Town and Chelsea up next. Luton Town is plus 425 at home. Chelsea minus 167 on the road. That's pretty steep price to have to pay on Chelsea as a road favorite. Uh, and the draw here is 3-1. to one. Uh, BJ, you're the only one with anything here. Just a little bit of context. Uh, since October 1st, Chelsea, uh, once again, by understats model, and they've played one more match than Liverpool and Villa and, and two more than City. So a little bit of a grain of salt, but they lead uh, the Premier League in expected points yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the same story. Uh, here we go team. again. Yeah, here we go yeah. again is right. Uh, what do you got for SBJ? Yeah, I actually am showing a little value on Chelsea here, but I actually like the over a lot more. You know, best price you can find is minus 135 right now. And you hit the head nail on the head, Michael, is that their underlying numbers are awesome. 12.5 expected goals created in their last six matches with a penalty, obviously, but created close to three against Crystal Palace on Wednesday. 
And I think the biggest thing for Chelsea now is they have a proven finisher that's actually healthy. And that's Chris and Kunku. He Chris. obviously started started today um, alongside Nico Jackson. And the biggest thing for Chelsea, they've changed their build-up structure. You know, early on in the season, they were using a 3-1-6. And it was just incredibly disjointed because obviously there were a lot of new players. And once they got in the final third, they just, honestly, everything just kind of fell apart. They've switched to a 3-2-5, which is a lot of what a lot of the elite teams are using nowadays. And so with a disjointed buildup structure, like they were still averaging close to 1.7 non-penalty expected goals per 90 minutes. With again, person with a, a structure that wasn't working for the personnel they had. Now they have a good buildup structure with a proven finisher in there. And I think their offense is going to continue to get better. And Luton Town, I love Luton Town to death. But their defense has been a disaster since the start of November. 20.7 expected goals allowed, only allowed 14. Last match against Sheffield United, who hadn't even cleared 1.5 expected goals in any Premier League match this season. They allowed over three expected goals. They're obviously without Tom Locke there. They're going to be without Issa Kabore and Marvelous Nakamba. So basically three of the cornerstones of their defense. Um, this is This could get really, really bad. So again, I am showing value on Chelsea, but... Chelsea's transition defense has not been that great this season. They're 19th and final third box entry conversion rate allowed. So Luton Town does have a path because they're obviously going to play very direct. Um, projecting 3.6 goals for this one. So I do like over 2.5 and minus 135. And I am showing value on Chelsea. But you got to pay a pretty steep price for that. And I may end up being on them, but probably not. Yeah, and Cuckoo was okay today. Uh, I didn't think he was, like, awesome. Uh, played 70 minutes, created one chance, one one shot himself. There was some feeling out period. I'm excited to see what this looks like with Sterling back, potentially, uh, and Palmer. Because now you have a lot of shots. Like, between Kunku, Jackson, Palmer, and Sterling, you're getting a, a top four level production in shots. The problem has actually been, like you said, BJ, the defense. Conceded over one XG today to Palace. Like, huge chance to Elise just falling asleep at the back post. Uh, the midfield is really energetic and good in ball winning, but the back line, man, it's like very uncertain. So yeah, I, I generally lean this way as well. I think Chelsea scores multiple here, but uh, not not going to play this one. Okay. On to Villa and Burnley next. Uh, Villa's a prohibitive minus 275 favorite at home. Burnley traveling at 7-1, to uh, draw plus 425. Anything for you, BJ? No. Uh, if I were to play anything, it might be some... Aston Villa alts here uh, because of what happened in the previous meeting at Turf Moor. Uh, Burnley tried to press Aston Villa and they just played right through them and created chance after chance after chance. Um, Villa, they're going to play this dangerous high line, but does Burnley really have the guys to to, to get in behind and, and actually create chances off it? I'm not so sure about that. They're a build-up team. like They want to play short passes through teams. So it's going to be very difficult for them to actually play through whatever uh, Aston Villa is doing. And I know it's Unai Emery, and he's never going to stop using this high line. But when you're up to nothing at Old Trafford, like maybe just slink back into a defensive structure and not just give United the chance to just play balls in behind. But what do I know? That's right. I'm just a podcaster. I'm not a soccer manager. So, um, but yeah, if I were to play anything, it'd be some Aston Villa alts. Uh, Burnley's offense continues to just produce next to nothing and they're not going to be able to play balls over top of Aston Villa's high line. So I'm not, I don't really project any value in this one. So I'm passing, but if I were to go anywhere, that's where I'd go. 
BJ and I have been disagreeing a lot. You know, we had a really fun time in the Action Network Discord uh, mm. on Boxing Day. At least I had a really fun time. I don't think he did. No. Uh, because BJ was on Villa and it was 2-0 and, and uh, I was on the United team total over. And there was a brief moment where we were, we were going to cash both bets because, you know, United ties it up and then Villa had a huge chance through McGinn. They didn't quite get there. But I agree generally in this matchup. Like, I think that Burnley doesn't have the runners to expose and they don't have the passing range to get in behind against Villa. Uh, and successfully, you know, negotiate the offside trap effectively. But like the thing is with this Villa team, and the reason that I, I really just think they're seriously overvalued at this point, and you've seen it now. Like they struggled to break down a very low Sheffield block, then they couldn't hold off a very mediocre Manchester United team with a two goal lead, uh, who kept getting in behind over and over again. When you play that style, you don't even need to be. You can be great at doing the offside trap over and over again, but a team can get lucky once and time up a run correctly, a long ball over the top. And then all of a sudden you're down a goal or all of a sudden, you know, this match is more competitive. Like, I think Burnley can keep enough of the ball here because they're going to try to play through pressure. And I don't think they're going to uh, have a ton of problem with Villa's press, which is like pretty average from a pressing perspective. Like it's not a good press. So yeah, I'm tempted by the under here. Uh, just because I think both attacks are, I think Villa's attack is just overvalued in general, and I think Burnley doesn't really match up well here. But this one for me is is a pass because I Burnley, uh, even against Liverpool, like they got away with it because Trafford was really good, but like they conceded almost three post shot xG in Liverpool and and probably like weren't really ever in that game. So that was at home. So I'm not really interested in backing them here. Do you want to know who Villa has coming out of the uh, FA Cup break, Michael? Uh, is it the re- revenge game? It's the Everton revenge game. Yeah, the yeah, rubber it's match. Revenge. It's the rubber yep. match. That's right. That's right. That'll be a fun. That'll be a fun one. Uh, is it at Everton? To... It's got to be at Everton, right? It, it is, is at, at Everton. Yeah. It is at Everton. Yes. I'm gonna be honest. Like Everton should be favored in that match. I don't think yeah, there's lines be. up yet. Like Everton the... should 100 percent be a favorite. If they're not, they're... I'm gonna bet them again. They're like the seventh best team in the Premier League now. Just... It is interesting though. Like you know, and we'll talk. Let's save that conversation for two weeks from now. Yes. Yeah. That's we we won't do. The January seventh podcast here on December twenty seventh. We'll 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 do the December twenty twenty eighth podcast, which continues with Palace and Brentford. Uh the bees. It, this is it's getting a little pear shaped here for for Brentford. Uh, four on the spin they've dropped, and uh, <sighs> I didn't think they call played it bad a, today. They didn't play yeah. bad today. It was they like a series of hilarious mistakes. Like the three yeah. of the four goals were just like the most like tomfoolery goals you could have possibly given up. Yeah. And like, yeah, okay, that, that counts against them. But like structurally, they were fine. They created more chances than Wolves. It was just like that day. I don't know. But they've yep. had four mm-hmm. in a row. So now Thomas yep. Frank, you know, oh boy. I think he's fine, obviously. But no, he's obviously no, 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 he's not. He's not even close to getting fired. Don't worry uh, about that. But I will say, like, we we've, we always talk about, like, the times to bet Brentford and, and they kind of seem to be every week. Um, because we can find a spin that time to spot, but this is a good well, that, time. That's the thing; they've been they've been good as a favorite this year uh, yeah. against these lower t- table teams. So now we just bet them every week because it used to be well, you know, when they're a dog, we like them, but when they're a favorite, uh, maybe pass. But now it's like, I mean, the market's just wrong. Surely we know better. But one, I guess we're just going to keep losing. I think I like I I like these spots just as much as I like them when they're punching up in a big six, right? Like four in a row, they've mm-hmm. lost. They've won one of their last seven. This is by low Brentford, man, and yep. against the Palace team that I also don't think is as bad as the recent results have shown. I mean, they were unlucky today to lose um, to 
Chelsea was at the 95th minute or whatever in that, that penalty uh, to go down 2-1. Yeah, dumb penalty. Yeah, bad. They run they run the gauntlet here, too. They also just played Liverpool, City, Brighton, and uh, Chelsea in, yeah. in a, in a four-match period over the festive fixtures here. And, and you look at Brentford, and you, you thought that this part of the schedule would be a good time for them to make a little bit of hay with uh, Luton, Brighton, Sheffield United. Villa and, and Wolves, you'd, you'd expect them to come out with more than just three points over that five-game jaunt. Uh, but you look at the Brentford expected goals and underlying metrics over uh, the past couple months here since October first, not bad at all. Plus, uh, plus six, uh, just just north of plus six in terms of an expected goal differential by expected points in that time time period. They're right around where Newcastle, uh, Bournemouth, and Everton are. Like this is. Still a really good team, and I think that they're better than Palace. I know they're going on the road here, um, but as an underdog, I, I'm i in. BJ. Go ahead, Anthony. They have a positive expected goal difference in their stretch where they have one win in seven games. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, this is a good team. It's Barlow is, Brentford. That's right. Here we come. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I do like Brentford. I'll save that for maybe the underdog segment, but I actually do like the over here. Uh, what's funny is that since Brentford got promoted to the Premier League, this – matchup has ended 1-1 or 0-0 all five times that they have faced off against each other. But what I will say about Crystal Palace is they're starting to play more open. They're starting to press a little bit more, and they're starting to try to build out of the back. And for me, it kind of makes sense. Like Roy Hodgson sees it as, okay, I have Eze and I have Elise. These two unbelievable dribblers, ball carriers. We probably should get them the ball instead of just trying to send long balls to them. So especially today against Chelsea and against Brighton, Chris Palace was trying to build out of the back. They were trying to create high turnovers, which goes against what Roy Hodgson normally does. And it has shown up in the underlying data as well, because in eight of their last nine matches, they there has been at least 2.5 expected goals created. And for the season, Palace uh, matches are averaging about two, close to 2.7. Uh, expected goals per 90 minutes, even today against Chelsea, three and a half expected goals created from open play. Um, for Brentford, from their perspective, well, what kind of has gone wrong here? I think it's pretty clear they're missing Aaron Hickey and Rico Henry at the fullback position. Ruslev and Godos today were not that great. I mean, uh, Ruslev was the one who uh, made the, the back pass that gave Huang the easy goal. Um, but again, like Anthony said, outside of just like three like dumb mistakes that just don't typically happen for with Brentford, they were fine. Like they were pretty, they were very good against Wolves. They created over two expected goals. The big thing for them as well is Matthias Janssen started out on the bench and came off the bench in the second half. He's their free kick taker, which is obviously huge for Brentford. And Brentford is a team similar in the mold of Sean Dyche's Everton, where. If they feel they can come up and press you and disrupt build-up play, they will do it, and they will do it effectively. Um, normally, they do slink back into their defensive structure, but they were trying to press Wolves today. Obviously, they fell behind early, but uh, when they've played some of these lower-tier teams, they will press them. They're fifth in pass per defensive action. So I think this one is a little bit more high-scoring than uh, expected. So, I, I mean, I projected right at two-and-a-half goals. You know, over two-and-a-half is still at plus 120, and like Anthony says, every one of these Premier League matches goes over. So... Uh, let's take it over. <laughs> yeah, so Brentford's other biggest problem is that Flecken slash... He's bad. <laughs> he's just he, Yeah, he's good. just bad. Uh, that minus 5.3 post shot coming into today. 
third worst behind Brighton and Forest. So that's been an issue. You know, they went from a good shot stopper in Raya over the past few years to a bad one. Uh, it has hurt their defensive numbers. It's hurt them at the margins. And that's where you see, you know, all of these losses in games that have kind of been coin flippy. Uh, but, you know, I think there's some positive regression coming ultimately for this Brentford team who's run really poorly. So uh, it would be Brentford or nothing. But I like this Palace team as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of neutral on this game and don't really have a strong opinion on it overall. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sheffield United is 25 to 1 at Bet365 to beat Manchester City. Way too short. Should could it could it grow? This is this is the type of line they you're They should dealt. be like 50 to 1. <laughs> this is the type of line you're dealt when uh you, you get like a Terence Crawford level boxer in his tu- in a tune-up match. Um what percentage of our listeners do you think know who Terence Crawford is? Uh those those of those listeners in in the greater Omaha era area for sure because mm-hmm. Bud is a proud beautiful uh, Omaha city, Nebraska Omaha. <laughs> beautiful proud city. Omaha Nebraska native. Um, but the, I mean, obviously, I'm gonna sprinkle a little bit of the <laughs> Sheffield United money line. Maybe we'll get three Man City red cards and and still and 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 get lucky here, BJ. Uh, I mean, maybe no Hollands, no De Bruyne. Like that kid, you could get, make a case there. Like that's about they the didn't, only they thing didn't I play today do. either. I know they didn't play today, so maybe you can make a case that without those two, Sheffield could sneak in a uh, transition attack and possibly do it. I mean, we I have Sheffield, had a twenty-eight to one winner. In we have, soccer. and Sheffield was, I believe, what were they fifteen to one against Villa and just couldn't close it out at the very end uh, on that Friday. Um, I have Sheffield. They didn't attempt to, a shot until the eighty-fifth minute. I know, and well, that's what's going to take here, Anthony. <laughs> um, I have Sheffield projected at fifty-six to one. So if it grows to <laughs> sixty to one, I will be on Sheffield. Other than that, yeah. I the, am the twenty-five to one has to get a little has to double. Yeah, no. basically, we got to double that. At, right. at forty or fifty, I would I'd think about it, but no, I mean, look. No shot. Sheffield's played better, right? Their defensive low block has yeah, been we're, more we're, effective. We're, we're getting Sorry, it before we're getting it before the market takes notice of the Chris Wilder. But that's the thing, though. Like it is only it has taken a little bit of notice because the look ahead was like two and three quarters, and now it's like two and a half. So you got like a quarter goal bump. Uh, I mean, they're minus two and a half, minus one twenty five. City is. Um, and I don't want any part of the other side. I do think Holland is ultimately back here. For this match, at least to you know feature a little bit, maybe plays a half. 
get him some match fitness here before uh for next week before the you know the they're gonna have another break maybe they just hold him out i mean they could win this match without him pretty comfortably but yeah i mean city today you know the biggest thing for me right now stones goes out again that's a big loss in terms of like title contention uh we've seen this defense run so bad ederson has been a disaster from shot stopping perspective um their defense has fallen off a good bit like that's the main area of regression for city they don't dominate games at the same level they did last year because they let teams have the ball more and, and do more passing. But like Sheffield's not doing any of that. Sheffield didn't even try to attack Villa because like you can a little bit, but they didn't even try. Um, this is a very much easy pass for me, like the easiest pass of the season. Okay. Uh, Wolves and Everton now. Uh, Wolverhampton is a bet of the season. <laughs> right here, Michael. I know. Over. I know. Wolves <laughs> uh, plus 155. Everton is a uh, slight underdog at plus 187 on the three-way line. The draw here pays pays out. Uh, plus 230. It. I do think that it is pretty simple here. Like Ever- Everton, even today, wasn't. it didn't make me think any less of them. The only thing that is concerning is you can see a couple players are just kind of out on their feet at times because... This the squad is so thin, and they played so many games, and mm. every game is so high stakes and emotional, and that the the fixture pileup that we're in right now. So, like that's the one thing here is that their the the their lack of depth because of their um, shall we say uh, crazy transfer um, policy over the past half decade uh, is a little concerning. But I still think in the key areas of the pitch there. They'll be fine. Um, yeah, I, I this is this has been one of the better, uh, the stronger Premier League sides for the past couple months. Nothing's really changed here. Um, bet on team. They are the bet on toffees. Bj, that 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 key areas comment you just made made me think of the the famous David Moyes quote: "The uh, Manchester United need to improve in multiple key areas, including creating chances, passing, and defending." Yeah. <laughs> So Everton have Everton have improved in the key areas of no, creating I'm saying chances. That they're still, they're still set up. They're defending. still set up well with with uh, personnel there. Like the strikers they're are good. fine. Yeah, they're just a good they're soccer a good, team. They are yeah. a good team. There's really no. There's like I have in my notes here. Like they're just straight up good. Like there's just nowhere else to describe. There's it. nothing exciting happening at the club. It's just it's just a good team yeah. this year. Um, and here's the thing. Here's how you know they're a good team because I know we have some skeptical listeners out there who say we just bet Everton every week, which we do. And as a podcast, we need to, you know, acknowledge that we do that every week. And I think I, well, that's just regression from last season when right. we. I was the only one betting them because they're getting dealt at like eleven to one every week. We bet a lot of bad teams on this podcast. This is a good team that we bet. Yeah, they're the best team I bet team. every year. They're, they're 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 they are a they are a good bad team. That's a good way to put it. But here's the thing: when this match was played, because we're we're actually it's kind of exciting. We're actually on the reverse fixtures now. For the first time all season, we can say, back when these two teams played last time, well, back when these two teams played last time, Everton yeah. closed a, a, a pick'em at home. That game should have had eight goals in it. And that game, yeah, that was the famous, I mean, just the most ridiculous nil-nil until the 89th minute when uh, uh, Stuttgart legend Sasa Kaslajic came on and <laughs> won it for, for Wolves. Uh, hilarious that that was like three months ago. But... They closed a pick'em at home in that game. Now they're a, a little bit of a dog, but like basically a pick'em on the road. So that's how much the market has upgraded Everton, and that's in the context of the fact that Wolves are a lot better than we thought at the beginning of the year too. So Wolves went from like this team could get relegated 
market level rating. They've been improved. And despite that, Everton has improved so much that they're now being dealt a pick on the road at Wolves. With that being said, they were dealt a pick at Forest like two weeks ago. Uh, I don't really agree that they should be a significant favorite here. BJ. I I love Everton here. I have Everton projected at plus 115, and I don't really think I'm that wrong. I think the market is a little too high on Wolves. Everton this season, Michael, has won the expected goals battle against teams in the bottom half of the table. Every single match except for one against Crystal Palace on the road. And if you remember, they scored very early and just kind of sat and defended the rest of the match. So then Palace put up a bunch of expected goals against them. But other than that, they have outcreated their opponents near them in the bottom half of the table in every single match. And, you know, Wolves obviously has, they've been giant killers this season at home. Like they've beaten Tottenham, they've beaten City, and they've beaten Chelsea. But they actually haven't been that great against teams in the bottom half of the table. They have played nine matches against teams in the bottom half, and they have a minus 3.5 expected goal differential. They're but, just but, not but Everton that is good. not a bottom half of the table team. But they're currently the ta- sitting in they're currently sitting no, in the bottom of the, the table, Anthony. That's not um, how that works, though. <laughs> um, but no, the, the the moral of the story is Nile wasn't my main point. My main point is is that I don't really think Wolves is that great of a transition offense. Like obviously today they you know got gifted a couple transition attacks, but their final third to box entry conversion rate is 28%. That's 19th in the Premier League. So, yes, they've hit on a couple tra- a couple transition attacks and converted them and that's wonderful, but consistently getting the ball when you get when they're getting these transition attacks from the ball from the final third in the penalty area, they have not been doing that. And even overall for the season, their underlying numbers, I mean, they're only what a 1.25 x uh, non-penalty xG per 90 minute. That's 14th in the Premier League. They're just the underlying numbers are really not that great. And who knows if Wang is actually going to play in this match. He obviously yeah, went off injury at halftime. Like, that's a, a big loss. We don't know if Neto is going to be back for this one. So if no Huang, no Neto, it's, uh, it make, leaves the wolf atta- Wolves attack severely limited. So, And well, even just looking at pure expected goal differential, Everton's plus 5.3, Wolves is minus 8.2. So I don't agree that Everton should be a straight pick. I think they should be a road favorite. So... I love them drawing a bet at plus 104. I should say that like I will still probably bet Everton by the time this game kicks off. W- one thing uh, about Wolves, we've always said on this podcast that you know they don't get a ton of chances, but they're very clinical. They're very efficient at scoring in the final third. After all those years of them yeah. being so good at getting chances and missing them all, uh, they are finally a team overperforming their their underlying numbers. It's, and who is that um, because of? Wang Hee Chang. Yeah. Yeah. Got what, like nine goals off of like four expected or something like that? It's crazy. So, yeah, if he's out, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, this is a good Everton spot. Okay, the Manchester United roller coaster continued. Uh, oh my gosh. We saw every bit of it in, in one match uh, over the week. Um, <laughs> that was amazing. How are, how are they still in the top <laughs> half of the table? They're going to win the title, man. They're going to win the title. This is, uh, they might win a double here. I'm, I'm uh, really enjoying the overreaction. It's like, it's great. This wasn't even as good as the Chelsea win. It was, it was actually wasn't really that good to begin with. <laughs> yeah, and and yet, like you know, the, the one goal they conceded was like hilariously fluky. Mm-hmm. But like, they're not going to get that opportunity against Forest. Here's the thing, you know, we do this a lot. Like we say, okay, did this win mean? Did this match say more about one team or the other? I will go to my grave saying that even though I cashed, you know, my United bet on Thursday or 
Mon- whatever the hell day it was. Tuesday. It was Tuesday. That said more about Villa than it did United. Mm-hmm. And I think Nottingham Forest's win against Newcastle probably said more about Newcastle. Transition defense, which mm-hmm. we're going to get into when we get to the Liverpool match. I think when you look at these two teams right now, though, trend lines, I think Forrest is much more likely trending up. Like we've seen now 180 minutes of Nuno Ball. They got a really bad red card, unlucky, against Bournemouth in a match that ended up being pretty even after, even after the red card. Probably could have had a penalty too. It was kind of a dodgy handball decision. Net-net, they were fine that match. Then they completely destroy uh, Newcastle on the break. Yep, Lionel Messi came, came in and played for them. That's what it felt like. Uh, is his name Chris Wood now? Um, because I don't know. Chris Wood entered that match with 2.6 XG on the entire season. And he put up 2.3 XG and three goals in one at, match. Uh, at St. James Park. At, at St. James Park. At St. James Park, where he yeah. used to revenge, play. Revenge spot, buddy. So, But yeah, I, I can't... I, I think... Uh, you know, I still don't trust this Forest attack, but they can still hit United on the break here. United playing the, the Ericsson Menu double pivot uh, <laughs> will be vulnerable in transition 1000%. And I'm still not really a believer in Hoyland, even though he finally got his goal. Like he's at like 0.25 XG per 90. The ball just fell to him in the box. So. I actually think this should be a straight pick em. So the fact that Forrest is plus plus money on the draw no bet makes me lean toward the trees, ride the new manager wave that uh, I don't know how much difference it's going to make in the long run, but in the short term, I, I like this this change for Forrest. United, man. What a wild ride. Who do, they have, who do they have coming out of the break? I think they have a big match like during the uh, during that fixture run where there's like half Premier League slates. I'm pretty yeah. sure there's a big matchup coming. I think maybe Tottenham, actually. <laughs> yeah, looked. it actually is. Well, first we get to bet, bet uh, Wigan Athletic, Michael, on the money yep. line at home against them in the FA Cup. And then, yeah, at home against Tottenham. And then the reverse fixture against Wolves at Wolves. There we go. Jeez. Uh, okay. I, um, I actually see myself betting Man United against Tottenham, depending on where that line opens. Well, we will see. We'll get there. I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep, you know, doing this thing where I just bet on the fact that this team doesn't actually have an identity and they're just not really a real team. So, in certain spots, you fade them, and then as soon as everybody's out on them again, you you, you hop back on. You know, so they 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 get the big win against Chelsea. Everybody's all in. Then they get smoked by Bournemouth. Uncompetitive Bayern. Everybody's out. Then they steal a result against Liverpool. I lost my. You there. sound like what exactly what I said earlier this year with this team. Which is you just like just wait for the the groundswell to go one way or the other, and you just go the other way with them. It's that's right. They're like and the now Buffalo everybody's going to be back in, and then I'm going to be out again yep. against Forest. Um, the we, then everybody we, they'll lose to Forest. Everybody will be out, and then I'll bet them against Tottenham, and then they'll beat Tottenham, and then everybody will be back in. It it took it took you and then it'll it took be you four months, but you finally you finally well, I think came, net net we've come out ahead of our man. I think net net we've come out ahead on our Manchester United fades. Uh, I have to check the tape, but. I feel like yeah. BJ BJ's bankroll is looking a little bit nicer this Christmas, thanks to Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United Football mm-hmm. Club. Without a doubt, Fulham and Arsenal up next. Uh, Fulham at four to one at home right now. Obviously, Arsenal is playing uh, 
before this match on Thursday. So a little tricky here to break down. Gunners are minus 175. Draw is plus 350. Nothing for me. Yeah, you couldn't a, fool me. Yeah, it's a pass. It's a pass for me too. I project this pretty close to around where the market has it. Um, we'll obviously see what Arsenal looks like on Thursday against West Ham. But you know, Fulham's a pretty similar team to West Ham in terms of what they do out of possession. So the reverse fixture was hilarious in this one because if you remember, Fulham scored on like a fluke Aaron Ramsdale uh, pass, like right to Andres Pereira, and then they scored off a set piece at the very end. Otherwise they did like literally nothing and Arsenal created like three expected goals. So uh, maybe Arsenal minus one and a half, just because they're, you know, the best team in the Premier League and they're going to win, they're going to win the title um, as opposed to what other people say in this podcast. So, um, but outside of that to pass, um, you know, Fulham is who we thought they were mm-hmm. after the last three matches. I've, I've enjoyed my Fulham fades zero goals. In the last three matches, uh, well, one goal in the last four in all competitions since that sun run they went on, where they scored uh, 16 and four. Since then, they got shut out at Newcastle. They got an own goal fluke against Everton, shut out by Burnley, shut out by Bournemouth. They'll shut get Raul back. Arsenal. They'll get Raul back, but like I think this is also shut out by Arsenal. Um, question is, how many does Arsenal score? Do you want to lay the minus 170? Seven. I don't think they get to seven. The, my thought was I liked under three, and I thought to myself, surely this line's going to be three. And then I went on, and it's not even three. So I'm probably going to pass. Two and a half just feels super janky because Fulham will somehow luck box a goal in this match. You just know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Arsenal probably wins 2-1. But I don't want to bet under two and a half. I only bet under three. Under two and a half is even – it's like plus 110. So if it, if it get juiced up and I can get a you – know, I even take it a juice under three in this match, but, uh, you know, we'll see what Arsenal does tomorrow before we bet that one. Uh, this one also a little tricky, uh, to break down because, uh, Tottenham has to play on, uh, Thursday as well. They're playing Brighton as we talked about at the top of the show, but they are hosting Bournemouth, uh, New Year's Eve, the cherries, uh, plus three fifty road underdog. The draw here is three to one Spurs minus one forty three. Uh, you can almost take the, handicap from the top of the show uh about brighton apply it here the one question being uh the secret's out on bournemouth now uh everybody's kind of uh well aware that uh the andoni iraola revolution is in full effect and that the cherries are playing quite a good bit of ball um that said still a decent price bj it is. I mean, you can still get Bournemouth at plus one here. Uh, again, Tottenham's going to be without their two starting center backs. Here's a little stat for everybody. Since the beginning of November, Bournemouth has a plus 10 non-penalty XG differential per 90 minutes. That's the best in the Premier League, which is crazy to think about during that time frame. That's how good they've been and how don't they do the, it. Don't check the schedule. Yeah, don't check. Don't, yeah, don't check the schedule. Just take it at face value. Um, <laughs> but uh, honestly, this matchup right here plays into exactly what Bournemouth wants to do. They want to do their hybrid press. They want to force high turnovers, and that is exactly what they did to Manchester United at Old Trafford. They did it to Fulham. They did it even Newcastle when they came to their park. Tottenham's going to try to build out of the back. Without their two starting center backs, they're not going to be as good in build-up. 
So Bournemouth should get a lot of transition opportunities here against a bad transition defense. So I like Bournemouth plus one, minus 130. Um, again, just a, another good spot to keep backing them. Because like you said, Michael, the market hasn't really caught on to how good they've been. Again, the schedule's mm-hmm. been easy. but That's debatable. Um, I think it still hasn't gone far enough. I would push back on that, though, because like Spurs closed minus 105 on the road at Bournemouth. Now they're only minus 150 at home. A little bit. But here's the thing. I love Alex Scott, oh, yeah. the He's midfielder they've, they've, they've found here. He's been really impressive. Kluivert's been good. Semenyo's really fun in space. Awatara gets forward. Like This team is fun. Like They destroyed Fulham, uh, and it was thoroughly enjoyable on Boxing Day to watch. And just like, here's the thing. When we talked about Iriola preseason, we said this Bournemouth team will be dangerous against the big teams because they can pressure them and rattle them and hassle them. And, and it's kind of what Viacano did to the top teams in Spain. They were consistently like a good dog. And then it was like terrible for the first <laughs> third of the season where like they got destroyed by all the good teams. And then we were like, well, it just isn't working. They don't have the talent. And then they beat the shit out of all the bad teams. So now it's like, okay, let's see it against a good healthy team because yes they did it to united but like we know they're not a good team they did it to fulham we know they're not really a good team and they did it to newcastle with like the ultimate that was like the worst of the injuries for newcastle and like Mm -hmm. the road newcastle without any of their players is just like not that good of a team so now this is the first like big big test i'm excited for it i'm gonna let you guys have fun with it we'll see if i join in but at this current number i probably won't um, this will be a good this. number to watch um, to see what happens with Tottenham and Brighton because you know if Tottenham comes out and, and beats Brighton, there's a chance that this number could grow. Now, if you truly believe that, like we do, that Brighton's going to win that match, then um, I would bet Bournemouth now, or I'd have my finger, I'd have my finger on the bet uh, the second that things go wrong here for Tottenham. I almost forgot to mention Marcus Tavernier, just really impressive as well. Four shot creating actions and five shots in his uh, in the win. Uh, they got their first penalty in two years too. So just all <laughs> kinds of really fun, really fun things are happening. And I'm telling you, this Alex Scott kid is like a future star. I know he was amazing it, at Bristol. He was amazing at Bristol City. He was like the best midfielder in the championship last year. He's a uh, a Channel Islands born player too. Mm-hmm. He's from Guernsey. So, yep, it's always fun. Always love. Uh, Reaching out to our channel listeners on the Channel Islands. Uh, okay. Of which there are many. Oh, yeah. Just tons. Tons. Yeah. Guernsey, Jersey, all of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Liverpool and Newcastle up next. If I told you that Newcastle will be a 6-1 to one underdog against Liverpool on January 1st, before the season started, you would assume what had happened. Just... Injuries. Newcastle Newcastle ran out of players. Yeah. I mean they're two they're two big summer signings just like don't play for the team now. Harvey's hurt, Tonali's a gambler. Tenali, yeah, but <laughs> and then they then they had injuries and uh, like yep. what's no, the point of good. what's the point what's the point of the Saudi money if you don't spend any money? I mean what, they're, what they're, could they they're have they trying to to skate the financial fair play stuff, Anthony. I mean, they're trying not to fall in They haven't actually spent trap. that much money. Yeah, this I mean, is a, it's they're, they're I mean, they spent smarter. Like, like they're like more clever than that. They're not yeah. just gonna get out, go out there, and just splash cash. Like we'll we'll catch up to them in five years. Let That's the when Saudi they're gonna pro, get. Let the Saudi Pro League do that. I mean, they gotta spend yeah. their money. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like I gotta spend money somewhere. 
you can't. This is this I is. Mean, they're uh, paying Ronaldo five hundred million. Like they, you know, maybe they don't. Have, I mean, you know, they have you, all the money, you, you, but you know, I mean, come on, remind me to never have you run a racket. Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you um, broadcast the Ponzi. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, Nonetheless, I, I like this. Uh, I'm, I'm a specialist I, in, in uh, getaway driving, so if you need me for that, I got you. Like, like perfect, like baby driver, baby driver. Um, we were talking about how people are catching on to the Bournemouth thing. Everybody's caught on to Newcastle can't win on the road thing. They've mm-hmm. won once in yeah, it's exhausting. It's they've won once in uh, in December so far. The schedule hasn't been tough. Uh, Forest, Luton, Tottenham, and Everton are for the luminaries that that beat newcastle we are a betting podcast they won twice i should say in 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 december because they also beat united on on like the first day of the month but we are a betting podcast and perhaps the most important bit of betting hygiene is to buy low contrarian how can you not play this number how because the injuries aren't terrible anymore they're not like they're they're as bad as they've been, and I get that this team has seemingly run out of gas. Kieran Kieran Trippier keeps playing for the other team, which is unfortunate. It's a really big issue. Well, also, at one know. point, was a gambler. <laughs> I might point out. He's yeah. Yeah, that that makes it a little bit more skeptical, doesn't it? Huh? Yeah. It does. Yes. Um. He, he, nonetheless, you, you do a double take. Yeah. Nonetheless, especially with the market prices, we're not accusing like, him of anything. Some, the, so, in fact, we're no, backing not at him. All. We're backing him. I'm just I mean, he might not facts. start. They they benched him. Yeah. And, they but, put on Livermento at half last week, and then they gave up like three more XG. I don't, I don't understand <laughs> how there's, there's not going to be more support on, on backing Newcastle to pip one here. And I know that Anthony went over this whole litany about how nobody goes to Anfield and gets a point, and then Man right. United with, with their D squad went there and got a point. Arsenal, they and Arsenal them. did it. Arsenal they dominated Michael. Yeah, they got do- they like no fortress, fortress, fortress Anfield. Fortress Anfield has yet to be breached. It's the only way they score goals because of the fortress. Why? Why aren't you guys? You want me to act as though Liverpool didn't control both of those matches? You want me to pretend like I can? Why? Why would you not bet Newcastle here? Is my question at this price. This is. I don't know if their press is good anymore. I don't know. I don't. The defensive transition is is alarming. They were so bad pressing against Nottingham Forest, which it, what what's concerning about that is because Nottingham Forest, you know, Nuno is obviously in charge now, so they've switched to a four three four two three one, and they actually new, and Nottingham Forest is actually trying to build out of the back, control more possession instead of just you know Steve Cooper's three two five. Let's just send the ball along and hope for the best. And Nottingham Forest destroyed them; like they just played right through them the entire second half and first half too, and first half as well. And yeah. So now I think Newcastle, and here's kind of why I like the under three and a half here, which is a little juicy at minus 140, is they've obviously done these two different pressing structures where they have their normal 4-3-3 where it's man-to-man, beats you up, and it's really relying on being physical, having energy. They will have a full, uh, almost a full week's rest, which is like the first time they've had that in I don't know how many months. So you could make the case there that they have a little bit more energy than they've had when they've had to play matches every two to three days. But they've also had this pressing structure of a 4-5-1 where they've played more passive and they've done a little bit better in terms of a mid-block there. And I think that's what you're going to see them here play against Liverpool because the last thing that they want to do is get into a transition back and forth battle with Liverpool. And unfortunately, the previous matchups with these two teams have been uh, 
I've had a, I've had a couple of red cards, so we haven't really learned much. Obviously, Liverpool had the smash and grab earlier this season when uh, they got a red card early, and then Newcastle pretty much dominated them up until Darwin just poached a couple goals. But the best path to success here for Newcastle is to play passive and play in a defensive block. It's not to come out and try and press Liverpool and let them try to play in transition. And another thing about Liverpool, though, their defense has very quietly gotten a lot better. Over the last six matches, hmm. only about 4.5 expected goals. And for the season, only 1.1 non-penalty XG per 90 minutes. Still nowhere near the level of Arsenal, Anthony. But still a, much better, still a much better defense than what they were in the beginning of the season, not allowing as many transition opportunities. So um, I don't think this one has the makings of this like back-and-forth, like high-scoring affair. I think it's going to be a lot of stale possession. Newcastle is going to... I hand Liverpool the ball and not really try and press them with that much intensity. So, and I only projected around two and a half goals here. So I actually do like under three and a half and, and pay the juice at minus 140. How many times on this podcast do we say, I'm kind of hoping that team A just gets absolutely worked so then I can get a big number on them <laughs> in their next match, which is when I want to bet yeah. them. And then Nottingham Forest comes in and absolutely pants Newcastle we get this number it's crazy yeah. that you guys are more excited about this I mean I have a little bit of value on Newcastle I just I do too the the road the road form the injuries it's just not yeah that's all adding up to part of the to, to why we're getting uh, this number this I'll is- tell you what if we get Newcastle plus one and a half at a normal number like minus 110 minus 120 I will be there with you, Michael. Just go to the but, money line. Six to one. But, it's six to one on a very good team. Okay, well, if they get to yeah, seven you and a half, you, eight you to one, I'll be there. You can't win an Anfield, Mike. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's nobody, sorry. Nobody, 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 nobody wins. Bet, bet the double chance. Nobody wins yeah. there. No, nobody has won. Uh, no, it is the transition defense for me. I don't think Liverpool's playing their best. The attacking group has not been good. I mean, we can we can say what it is. Like, I love Darwin Nunez. He scored a nice goal against Burnley, but like he's been really struggling of late. Diaz is hurt again, uh, slash at way out of form and has not been the same player since the knee injuries and, and you know, all the stuff going on with him. Gakpo doesn't really fit the system whatsoever. It was kind of like a panic buy last January, and he doesn't really fit with how these team plays right now because they don't have a functioning midfield. And then there's the midfield, which like Endo's been solid, but not special. And then they're kind of just rotating all of these pieces in and out and trying to figure out what the best thing is. And I think it's worked because they've kept the squad pretty fresh and it enabled them to not wear down and press it with, you know, intensity still. And uh, I think it played a role in, in why they dominated the second half of that game. But like this total is a little high. As bad as Newcastle's defense has been of late, this total is high to me. Um, and I think Newcastle does need to take a more pragmatic approach. It's kind of similar to the United match where they're going to sit deeper and try to absorb pressure and get one-on-ones. They'll find more success on the break, I think, than United did. But I also don't think they'll be as hopeless defensively as United was in that match conceding over two and a half XG. So yeah, it's under nothing for me. But again, I'm just like so scared of the transition numbers for, uh, for Newcastle defensively right now that if they let Liverpool get on the run here, like they, they could just laugh and score three or four themselves. It's kind of what okay. Tottenham just did to them. So I'm like, it's kind of scared, but, but no, I, I, I see your point hundred percent. Like from a buy low perspective, Newcastle is clearly and- the team. What I wanted to mention was, is now that they are out of Europe, they're out of the League Cup, we're going to get back to the Newcastle of last season, where they're basically just playing one match every week, fully healthy, full-on physical press, 
and there will be plenty of times to buy low on them. This is somewhat one of them. I agree with you, Michael. But there's going to be so many great opportunities over the second half of the season to buy on Newcastle. Uh, I think you guys are nuts. We'll wrap up the Premier League quickly with um, West Ham and Brighton. This is on Tuesday, January the 2nd. Uh, West Ham is a home favorite, plus 137. Brighton, plus 180. Uh, the draws, plus 275. Brighton playing Spurs on Thursday. So once again, a little bit tricky uh, to break down here. Um, I like Brighton at the like kind of in, in the vacuum right now, not knowing what we will find out uh, in the match against Spurs on Thursday, but don't really have much more to add than what we've kind of talked about with West Ham and Brighton here. BJ, anything? I love, love, love Brighton here. Um, the previous match between these two was a hilarious match. Basically, West Ham put on a counterattacking clinic. If you remember, that was when Brighton was playing incredibly open and committing so many guys forward and basically just getting in one-on-ones in transition. Well, now Brighton's been playing a little more pragmatic. They've been uh, a little bit more hesitant at being aggressive. Last 10 matches for the Seagulls, they've only conceded 1.12 non-penalty XG per 90 minutes been incredibly good with their counter-pressing. And for West Ham, in that match, they were basically perfect out of possession in their low block. I don't see a scenario where they can repeat that performance again here. It is at home. Brighton have struggled breaking down low blocks. But again, like I mentioned for West Ham and Arsenal, West Ham has been pretty bad defensively against teams in the top half of the table. They've played played eight matches against top 10 teams and they have conceded 18.6 expected goals. Not to mention, they're allowing the third most shots and the second most box entries. And like I mentioned with Brighton, like they are dealing with some injuries in their attack, but they are they have incredible depth where losing a guy like Matoma is, is big, but they can rotate guys around where the drop-off is really not as big as it would be comparatively to other teams. So... And even if we just look at raw expected goal differential, I mean, Brighton's plus 2.8 in the season and West Ham's minus 4.6. So I don't really see a scenario why West Ham should be favored. I understand they're at home, but they are not a better team than Brighton. And what this line is saying is that Brighton would only be a slight favorite on a neutral field, which I think they should be a more significant favorite. So I like Brighton, John O'Bet, plus 114 at West Ham. All right. Uh, let's move it on then to the rest of Europe. Uh, it's just La Liga and Syria. Uh, we'll be quick here. Uh, Anthony, anything? Uh, or what do you have in these two leagues? Uh, Sotto Vigo, plus 145 every week. <laughs> every week. Uh, yep. Back at home uh, against what I think is like a pretty league average bet aside. I don't really think there's much of a difference between these two teams in quality. So I got plus 145 at home. I'm going to start taking some money lines here because I need to get back my losses. Um, so I got to chase some higher payouts. Uh, and thus, I'm on Vigo Moneyline. BJ? Well, obviously, I'll be on Atletico Madrid against Girona. That's obvious. <laughs> but uh, for for lack of sounding redundant on this podcast, I think the last three weeks I've done a Girona fade. I also like Almeria, plus one against Osasuna. Uh, Almeria is bad. They have not won a match yet this season in La Liga. Um, they've lost two of their best attackers. And still, they are sixth in non-penalty XG for 90 minutes. And they're playing an Osasuna side that is a very below average team in terms of underlying data. They're 14th offensively and non-penalty, 15th defensively. Uh, a team that's trying to hold more possession and, and try and uh, be more of a team that builds out of the back. And they're just not 
as good at doing it. Now, Almira's defense is terrible, but there's not a world that Osasuna, a team that should be in the bottom half of the table, should be laying a full goal against Almeria. So um, I like Almeria plus one. All right, uh, let's get to some underdogs now. Uh, three, three-leg parlay is going to come out around 74 to one. Maybe put some of that Christmas money back in your pocket if we can hit all three, starting with Anthony's La Liga special here. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Cadiz plus 225 on the road against Granada, a matchup of, of what is essentially two of the worst teams in La Liga overall. But I think I'm getting the team that's trending upward, a team that's been creating more uh, chances of late and, and does have some positive regression coming from an attacking perspective. Um, they've actually created the least expected goals in the entire uh, league tied with Las Palmas, according to the uh, FB ref data. They've drawn five consecutive matches. It's a, not a team that wins very often. They have two wins all year, but they're facing a Granada team that is by far the worst in the league. Changed their manager and got worse uh, overall. And, and really, I think in a matchup of two of the worst teams, I'm getting the better of the worst teams at plus 225. So, give me Kadith uh, on the road. Coming into the season, uh, we had a pretty long debate about who was the third, who was the fourth best team in the Premier League. And it was always between Newcastle, Liverpool, Arsenal. Uh, and one of those teams, Newcastle, is 6-1 to one on the money line this weekend because they are in the middle of a one win in five slump lost a couple in a row were just pasted by Nottingham Forest this uh, that performance came on the heels of a loss to Luton Town this is the epitome of a buy low on a good team BJ six to one for Newcastle at Anfield where Anthony has famously declared nobody's ever won so uh, Newcastle United become the first team to in the history of soccer to win in the hallowed ground of Anfield. What do you got? How about another buy low? Brentford, plus 230 at Crystal Palace. Uh, Brentford team that's obviously in a bad run of form, but still putting up great underlying data. And this is another situation where they are going to play more attacking, probably set up in their 4-3-3, be more attack-minded against a Crystal Palace team that has been playing more open, trying to press higher, trying to disrupt build-up play. And Brentford generally has been a pretty good team at playing through pressure and building up out of the back. Uh, in terms of uh, Crystal Palace here at home, they are overvalued a little bit. I know Eze and Elise are back and healthy, and they are obviously been very good attack, had a good game against Chelsea, but I really still don't trust this Crystal Palace defense, and Brentford is due for a lot of positive regression. So I like the Bees, plus 230. Newcastle, Cadiz, and... Brentford, 74 to 1. We hit 2 uh, out of 3 okay. again last weekend. Yeah, we're getting it. It's always, it's always uh, me. It's always me whenever we hit 2 out of 3. Like I think the last 3 that we've come up short, it's been my uh, underdog that has lost. So I apologize Everton, to Everton the was listeners. a good bet, though. Yeah. It was, but the funny thing is, is that if anybody knows me personally, um, throughout my entire sporting career, I am always somebody who comes up short in the big moments. So this really isn't that shocking. Uh, that we'll, we'll dive into that in next week's episode. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds like we need a faint a fainting chair for that one. Uh, okay, uh, best bets now. Uh, I'll go first because BJ just kind of laid it out. The one that I like, I like Brentford on the money line at Crystal Palace plus two thirty. Uh, this is a team that underlying numbers suggest that they are about to start trending up. What do you got, BJ? I like Brighton draw no bet plus one fifteen on the road at West Ham on Tuesday. Uh, this last match was quite hilarious because West Ham put on a counterattacking clinic, created three expected goals, but that was when Brighton was playing more open, playing more aggressively. Now they've been much better defensively. They're only allowing 1.12 non-penalty XG per 90 minutes, 
over their last 10 matches. They're doing a good job of building up, using central progression. And basically what West Ham is going to have to do is basically be perfect out of possession like they were in that previous match, but they haven't been that good against good competition, allowing 18.6 expected goals in their eight matches against teams in the top half of the table. So I really don't think West Ham should be favored here at home. So I like Brighton on the road. Draw no bet, plus 115. I'm going to use Brighton tomorrow. Draw no bet, even money against Spurs. Uh, I just think that there's not really any difference between these two teams from an underlying perspective. The only advantage Spurs have is in goal. Uh, there's some defensive regression coming for Spurs. They're shorthanded. They're best defensive midfielder. They're two best center backs. Uh, Brighton's healthier at the moment. They're at home. Uh, I like them drawing a bet. Okay, that does it uh, for 2023 here on Wonder Goal. Thank you to everybody who's listened all year long. We wish you all a great New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. We will see you in a couple weeks when the Premier League kicks back up. Until then, uh, best of luck with all your bets, and thank you very, very much for being there for us. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.